Happy Valentine's Day 2022, everyone. Uh, I can't believe that I'm actually recording episode 29 on Valentine's Day. I wasn't planning on it. It just worked out that way. Episode number 29, serving as priest and prophet of your home through intercession and praying in the spirit and ministering the living word to your family. Um, And this one's geared towards husbands and wives. I'll probably end up doing a second part um, at least on this because I just I did not get through everything that I wanted to bring out. Um, it's been on my heart for a while actually to do an episode dedicated to husbands ministering to their wives as Christ ministers to the church and um, I experienced so much of that in my life with Rupa and I'll be sharing some of my experiences as well as some of my shortcomings and failures because I believe that we can learn from the things that we failed to do as much as the things we did right. Um, I will say this, though. I wish I had allowed the Lord to give me the grace to humble myself much, much more than I did in praying in the Spirit with and over my wife. Um, A lot of my listeners might not know the story. Some of you do from following me on Facebook. Um, My wife had a disability from early childhood that resulted in um, other physical chronic chronic ailments later in life um, when she was still young. And, um, well, she was young when she passed away too, but... um, Yeah, I allowed myself to get all hung up on the fact that her physical healing was not happening in spite of all my prayers, and so I felt like a complete failure in the prayer department, and um, so anytime she needed me to pray over her or asked me to pray over her, I just felt very reluctant because I thought, you know, I'm just going to fail again. Um, But I failed to see her need of my prayers through her eyes. She still needed my prayers over her and for her to bring her comfort and peace. And all I could focus on was the physical healing staring me in the face. Um, I failed to take into account all of her other needs as my wife, her emotional needs, etc. The primary ministry husbands have to their wives is to love them as Christ loved the church And that love is expressed in its highest form when husbands are serving their wives through prayer and ministry of the Word and the Spirit. Uh, From personal experience, it takes a real humbling of oneself to pray over your wife, especially in the Spirit, because you are serving her in the most intimate way possible. And humbling yourself to pray with the one who knows you best the one who is most intimate and closest to you takes true servanthood humility. It takes a deep willingness to lay aside your comfort level and all of the subconscious baggage that we men might carry and to kneel down and pray in your prayer language over the woman who is bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. 
You are allowing the Holy Spirit to open up the deepest part of you in order to minister to your wife in the deepest parts of herself, the deepest parts of her where the Holy Spirit dwells. Um, I did not spend nearly enough time doing that for my darling wife. And um, one of the things, again, that made it hard for me to open up in that area was my feelings of failure in the area of praying for her healing. Um, I don't know of a husband out there who takes a sense of failure lightly, especially when it concerns his wife. And I was so accustomed in my single days to seeing prayer accomplish mighty things, healings, deliverances, and so on. And um, so this was a mountain just staring me in the face every single day and uh, the mountain of my wife's infirmity. Um, It was just such a battle to try to get past my sense of failure as a husband in that department. There were many, many times when she would ask me to pray in tongues over her, and I don't remember a single time when my flesh actually felt like doing it. But I would eventually acquiesce because I knew that she wouldn't ask me to pray if she wasn't in need. Um, I remember nights I would be lying in bed for the longest time, praying in tongues over my wife, believing God for her healing. And there were many times, tons of them, when I would feel such a divine, powerful authority in the spirit that I fully expected to wake up the next morning with my wife healed. And the next morning would come. The minute the sun started to come into the window, I'd look over at her and nothing was different. And um, so there was back to that sense of failure again. And um, now that Rupa has gone home to be with the Lord, uh, I've had 14 months just to look back and reflect on so many things. I have huge regrets about not pushing through and getting over my hang-ups to simply pray over her in the Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to do whatever He wanted to do, not necessarily do the things that I was expecting. And I see more clearly now than ever before that it is the husband's responsibility under Christ, His head, to serve His wife in the Spirit and through the Word. Nothing else takes precedent over that. Order the transcript for me through email. I'll underline that for you. Nothing else takes precedent over that. And if it requires a humbling of our minds as men, a humbling of our flesh or ego or pride or whatever the obstacle might be, then so be it. We are to gird ourselves with Christ's humility just as he did when he washed the feet of his disciples. Yes, we're head of our home, but we are also chief servant of our home, especially of our spouses. We fail at that, then no other successes matter in the eyes of God. Succeed at that, and we will find that all other successes pale in comparison. Um, I remember all of the times that me and Rupert were so one in the spirit, it was impossible to describe. I also remember all of the times that I humbled myself, set my flesh aside, and simply prayed over her in the spirit, feeling nothing. I didn't, you know, feel anything in the flesh. I didn't feel anointed or mighty in faith. I just simply 
started doing it and praying over her in the spirit until the Holy Spirit himself would take over and she would feel her spirit and soul being ministered to with overwhelming comfort and peace. And and now, you know, here I am. I'm doing this episode. I've spent two weeks working on this podcast and I have relived uh, the hundreds of times that I just allowed myself to... Um, allow my failures to, or my sense of failure to dissuade me. And, um, instead of realizing, you know what? She needs me to simply be a vessel of the Holy Spirit to her, to just minister to her. She's not asking me to move mountains, so I should not expect myself to move mountains. I should just simply love her enough to minister to her in the spirit and let the Holy Spirit do whatever he wants to do. If you're a husband listening to this, you do not have to carry the weight of regret that I do. If you begin serving your wife through prayer in the spirit today, but serving your wife through the spirit and with the word goes beyond just praying. However, I would definitely say it begins with praying. And if you haven't started there, then that is where you need to begin. Um, in addition to serving and ministering to your wife through prayer, especially, 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 especially praying in the spirit over her and praying the word of God over her. Pray the prayers of Paul over your wife. Go through the epistles. And read all, and write down, actually write down all of the prayers that Paul prayed for the believers. Pray them over your wife. Women need to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit as well by spending much time praying in the Spirit because it is the fruit of the Spirit that will minister to your wife more than prayer itself sometimes. Of course, the key is to simply be open and led by the Holy Spirit at all times, but if you are prayed up in the Spirit and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to manifest His fruit of, for example, gentleness or long-suffering, then when your wife is needing gentleness and long-suffering, she will get it from the Holy Spirit through you. You don't have to work it up in your own emotional self. If you have a wife who is suffering from chronic illness or other similar life challenges, the one thing she needs the most from her husband is profound, endless gentleness, kindness, and patience. She needs to know and feel that she is not a burden to you. She is not holding you back from enjoying your life. She is still the wife that you always dreamed of, regardless of how difficult it might be for her right now to be that wife that she dreamed of being. One area where Rupa needed my prayers and intercession the most was in the area of emotional anxiety. Because where her chronic health condition was concerned, life and our future was one big question mark hanging in the sky. We never knew how bad is it going to get? When is it going to get worse? What is worse going to look like? What is worse going to feel like? Are we going to find a better doctor? Etc. 
uh, constant anxiety over these things and fear. She needed me personally praying over her in the spirit to allow the Holy Spirit to simply flow and wash over her with a sense of calm, peace, and assurance that you just don't get from a little pep talk. She needed the Holy Spirit to minister to her the peace that passes all understanding, not just a quick little emotional band-aid. That's the other thing we husbands need to lay aside. We always feel like we need to fix everything, but some things you have to admit your flesh isn't able to fix. So you have to step aside and allow the Holy Spirit to do the fixing and the healing through your prayers. This is where you humble yourself, you set your masculine abilities aside and your masculine expectations of yourself because that's not going to meet these needs. And just humble yourself as a praying, interceding husband servant and allow the Holy Spirit to meet her spiritual needs through you as her loving servant husband and vessel of the Holy Spirit. Don't expect the clay pot to deliver anything. It's what's in the clay pot, this treasure in earthen vessels, that's what she needs. She doesn't need you right now, except, you know, as her husband who loves her. But the resources that she needs are from the Spirit. You're one flesh with her, but she needs what the Holy Spirit in you has and as we shift the focus from ourselves feeling like I have to have something to give her no you don't you just have to get out of the Holy Spirit's way and let him do the ministering through you Um, have you ever had a Bible verse that always seemed to be trying to tell you more than what you were able to receive at the moment a verse that you knew contained an ocean of spiritual revelation with so many implications that you knew you'd never be able to exhaust it. Well, one such verse that came back to me this past week was Philippians 1.19. And if you have your Bible while you're listening to me, go ahead and turn to that verse while I share my thoughts with you on Philippians 1.19. This is one of those Bible passages that is pretty obscure. Uh, This particular verse, I've never heard anybody preach on it or expound upon it at all. And I've had that verse kind of following me down through the past 30 years. Um, It's just one of those verses that when you read it at first glance, you know it's saying more than you can grasp right now. So you're going to circle back later. It's like one of those old time gold miner stories where a gold mine tucked away in a forest or riverbed somewhere just waiting to be discovered just kind of keeps winking at passerbys with just hints of gold trying to get someone's attention. Someone whose gaze would become transfixed on what lied just beyond a hint of gold shining. So... Those with a New Testament or a fully grown Bible have hopefully turned to this verse and gazed upon it for a couple of minutes. Um, I don't know 
when it was the first time that I read that particular verse, um, there was a a lady that God used to disciple me in the twelfth grade, and I know that the letters of Paul. Um, I probably had them all memorized by the time I was done with twelfth grade, but um, sorry, I'm getting a little sidetracked. But Philippians one nineteen is a verse that I have turned to so many times when I felt like I wasn't up to a spiritual task. Um, when I felt like I just wasn't sure that my prayers were going to accomplish what the person I was praying for needed. And this particular verse has always spoken to me about the overarching subject of intercession, which is kind of part of what we're talking about right now in terms of ministering to our wives. And nowhere is intercessory prayer more vitally important than in the context of marriage because through intercession, you are standing in the gap for your wife and through prayer, you are identifying in a very deep and intimate way with their needs before the throne of God. So Philippians 119, Paul says, I know that through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit, This current distress will give way to my deliverance. Paul was going through. uh, He was in prison at the time he wrote this. And he had been through a lot of tribulations and persecutions. The Philippians were praying for him. And his statement was, I know that through your prayers, through your intercession, and the supply of the Spirit... This current distress will give way to my deliverance. This is a divinely empowered partnership between believers and the Holy Spirit, a partnership of intense, focused, concerted, ongoing prayers, supplications, petitions on behalf of a recipient. In this case, the Apostle Paul, needing deliverance from trouble, distress, tribulation, The Greek word for prayer in this case is the Greek word desis, and it occurs about 18 times in the New Testament. It is a multifaceted word that conveys conveys anything but casual, off-the-cuff praying as you go. This is heels dug in, face to the ground, not going anywhere from my prayer closet until God moves kind of praying. Remember in Jeremiah when God said, Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Well, this is jackhammer praying, and you don't stop till you're through the cement. Now, remember the rest of Paul's statement that through their concerted prayers, there would be a resulting abundant provision and supply of the Spirit, which would in turn move to uphold Paul and move circumstantially for his deliverance. This same intercessory partnership with the Holy Spirit, by the way, is what resulted in the Apostle Peter being miraculously released from his prison cell in the book of Acts. 
Now, here's where I want to take Philippians 1.19 and boomerang it back to what we were discussing a few minutes ago in regards to husbands laying aside any and every sense of self-consciousness, feelings like, I've got to fix this, I've got to be the deliverer, I've got to be the healer, I've got to be the answer to whatever my wife's spiritual needs are right now. Remember, Paul said, through your prayers... Through your prayers, I will receive the supply of the Spirit that will give way to my deliverance. You and me, the husbands, we are not the supply. We are the vessel, the channel through which the supply of the Holy Spirit will come through our prayers. If you can get a handle on that, if you can get a revelation of that in your spirit, that is like dynamite. We are not the supply. We are the vessel. Our prayers open the way for the Holy Spirit to supply what our wife needs. This is where we lean hard on Romans 8. And if you don't know that passage almost by heart, spend as much time as it takes to get all of Romans 8 into your spirit because this chapter, Romans 8, spells out our partnership with the Holy Spirit his partnership with us when it comes to the arena of prayer and intercession and him ministering through you, the vessel of clay. The one single foundational principle of New Testament Christianity is that absolutely nothing, not a zip zero, is accomplished through us on earth for the kingdom of God, except by the Holy Spirit working in and operating through us. The one basic truth of the New Testament, starting with the Gospels, is that the Holy Spirit is available to each and every individual believer. All that is needed is someone who is thirsty and hungry for him, humble enough to ask the Father for him, and willing to believe that it is God the Father's perfect will for them to receive that same promised Holy Spirit. You do not have to wait until you feel like the right kind of Christian to receive him. You don't have to wait until you feel holy enough. All you have to do, as Jesus said in Luke, if you ask your Heavenly Father for the Holy Spirit, he will give him to you. You ask your Heavenly Father as his child. A child does not go to their father asking for a gift, expecting to be turned down or expecting to be given something that they don't want. So let's get that issue settled right away. That it is the Father's will for every single believer, man, woman, and child, to receive the Holy Spirit in abundance so that they may have fullness of fellowship with Him and bear fruit for the kingdom. If you are listening to this podcast today and your heart's desire is to receive the Holy Spirit, but yet you have struggled with feelings of unworthiness or some other thoughts that are causing you to feel undeserving, go back and listen to some of the podcasts that discussed receiving the fullness of the Spirit and listen to them a few times until that sense of unworthiness is washed away because it doesn't belong in you. You've been adopted into his family. Jesus spent three chapters in the book of John 
teaching about the believer's relationship with the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit was being sent to do for the believer. That's John chapters 14, 15, and 16. John chapters 14, 15, and 16. If you are someone who is seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, wanting to have more of the Holy Spirit operating in your life, read those three chapters and spend as much time in them as you can until they begin to come alive inside of you. Now, why did Jesus do this? Why did he spend three chapters talking about the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, Jesus said he was going back to the Father and would send the Holy Spirit. Well, think about it now. The disciples only had Jesus physically with them for a little over three years. So (laughs) who would they look to after he left? Jesus is talking to us about this invisible person called the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be able to see him or interact with him physically. I mean, like, how are we going to know he's even here with us? So this was an exchange of persons of the Godhead being present on the earth for the church. Jesus was going, sending someone else. The ministry of the first person of the Godhead, Jesus, was to reveal the Father, as Jesus himself said. To reveal the Father, that was somebody else that they had never seen. One of the disciples said, Jesus, you know, show us the Father. And he's like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So here we have one person of the Godhead, Jesus, who his first time here revealed the Father to the disciples. But then there was another person of the Godhead who the disciples were going to get to meet that they couldn't see. But Jesus again was making the introduction and saying, he is with you, but he shall be in you. So the work of the first person of the Godhead, Jesus was to reveal the Father and to accomplish the work of our salvation and redemption on the cross. The work of the second person of the Godhead, please listen to this very closely, the work of the second person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, was to be present on earth for the entire church in each and every generation, in every geographical location on earth, something that Jesus in the flesh could never accomplish. This is where it gets tragic, because the institutional church has failed the Holy Spirit miserably, catastrophically, because we have treated him as something optional, something spooky, or something controversial. The news here is, folks, church on earth, there is only one member of the Godhead on earth to divinely and supernaturally lead and guide the church of Jesus Christ on the earth, and that is the Holy Spirit. There's nobody else. Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit and a backup in case we didn't believe in the Holy Spirit, in case we didn't want to make room for the Holy Spirit. There's no backup. You don't make room for the Holy Spirit, you're done. You've you've closed the door on the Godhead effectively ministering to you, guiding you, leading you, and transforming you into the image of His dear Son. 
if you've shut the door on the Holy Spirit, or if you've refused to open the door to the Holy Spirit because of theology, because of denominationalism, you've effectively cut yourself off from the vine, and you will not experience any spiritual growth. You might have a head full of Bible facts and Bible information, but your spirit has no life. We'll have no life. You'll have no growth. There's no spiritual growth apart from the Holy Spirit. James said the the body without the spirit is dead. He wasn't just talking about a physical body. He was referring to the believers, the body of Christ. And I'll say it again. There's only one member of the Godhead on earth to divinely and supernaturally lead and guide the church of Jesus Christ in the earth, and that is the Holy Spirit. There's no one else. It's either him or we are leading ourselves in the flesh, our mind. I don't think anyone spiritually sane would willingly choose the second option, but we have centuries of proof demonstrating that we actually have done that very thing. Now, I would like for you to take a look at the book of Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Husbands, we're going to look at where the rubber meets the road concerning ministering to your wife in the Spirit. And right away, I want to calmly encourage you to resist any feelings of being overwhelmed or like you are suddenly out of your element. Again, the Holy Spirit within you is your divine equipment and provision for ministering to your wife spiritually. None of what she needs is going to come from you directly. It will come from the Holy Spirit. Where she needs physical or emotional healing, the Holy Spirit is the source of that, not you. So just relax. And trust me, I wish I had had someone to talk to me this way and to keep my dependency on the Holy Spirit and not on myself. So in Luke chapter 4, actually just prior to Luke 4, Uh, In um, Luke chapter 3, we see that Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist and was baptized in the Holy Spirit. That is John chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. So make note of that. Look that up. Jesus was baptized in water by John the Baptist and was then baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. It says in Luke chapter four, verse one, it says Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and he was led by the spirit into the wilderness. So at the very outset of Jesus's earthly ministry, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and he was led by the Holy Spirit and full of the Holy Spirit. That is God's answer to any professing believer who thinks that they're going to function as a believer without the Holy Spirit much less minister for God without the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is our pattern, and he most certainly is, then you aren't going to do anything without the same Holy Spirit. I can guarantee you that. Now, in verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So here we are in Luke chapter 4, and we are not even halfway through this chapter. And Jesus has been baptized in the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, and is now walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody with two eyes and able to read black letters on white paper can see that we are observing 
two members of the Godhead functioning together, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And in the context we are seeing it, Jesus is submitted to the Holy Spirit. He is doing nothing apart from the Holy Spirit at all, nothing of his own volition. He received the Holy Spirit, that submissive. He was led by the Holy Spirit, that also is submissive. So, again, this is a truth and a concept and a reality that we desperately need to have embedded deep, deep, deep into our thinking and our consciousness, that we have no expectation of our own ability of accomplishing anything for God, depending on, leaning on, relying on, and looking to the Holy Spirit every single day should be like breathing to us. Now, I'm not speaking this to you as though I have arrived. I do not glow in the dark yet, but this much has been real to me for over 35 years, and it is something that I continually strive for and strive to stay focused on. Now, in Luke 4.18, we see Jesus declaring what the Holy Spirit was going to do through him. Now, notice that Jesus very emphatically declares that the Holy Spirit is upon him, that the Holy Spirit has anointed him, and the things he was anointed by the Holy Spirit to do. So, one, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Two, he says, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel. Three, the Spirit has sent me. That's another submissive phrase. Jesus didn't go on his own accord. He didn't go on his own commissioning. He didn't send himself. He says, the Spirit has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, so healing and deliverance... This, by the way, coincides with Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. God was with Jesus? I thought Jesus was God. It says he was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. So while he was God, equal with God, he was also submitted to God, the Holy Spirit, and to God the Father. People get tripped over that, tripped up over that mystery, but if Jesus was meant to be our pattern in all things as our high priest, that's in Hebrews, Jesus was made to be our pattern in all things. So his first pattern for us was being fully and totally submitted to the Father, and of the Holy Spirit. He could not, as our high priest, require us to do something that he had not done himself. So, and it says he was made like unto his brethren in all things. That's in Hebrews. Then, during his earthly ministry, Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father has sent me, there we go again, so I send you. Before he ascended, he said, These signs shall follow them that believe on me. There was no expiration date on that, by the way. Now, I would like to read the very passage of Scripture that Jesus was quoting in Luke 4, 18, which is found in Isaiah 61, 
1 verses 1 through 3 because it brings out in greater detail the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1 says, He has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted and to bind up the brokenhearted. Verse 2 says, To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and to comfort all who mourn. Verse 3 is even more expansive. For those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. To me, this passage from Isaiah 61 speaks to the healing of the deepest wounds and traumas. And it is here that the husband truly needs to trust in and depend on the supply of the Holy Spirit as being sufficient to minister to his wife's deepest needs. The reality is, and I'm speaking from personal experience, my wife had a disability from age two. She was mistreated badly at school because of it. She was (laughs) mistreated at home by her older sisters badly by it. If she was trying to put on something pretty or put on some makeup, her older sisters would always say, you don't even need to bother putting on makeup or trying to look pretty, Rupa. You're a cripple. It doesn't matter. You're a cripple, Rupa. You're a cripple, Rupa. Her whole childhood was being told she was a cripple, reminded that she had a disability. And she had some of the deepest emotional wounds any human being could have. But for those who knew her on Facebook, you would never guess that because she was so gracious toward everybody else. She was always building others up. She was always encouraging everybody else. I just uh, heard from uh, an East Indian friend of hers in Lahore, Pakistan last night um, who had no idea that she even had a disability. And he literally cried. He saw something I posted um, in remembrance of her uh, for for Valentine's Day. And um, very very strong man, very educated man, very intelligent uh, Indian man. And um, he never had a clue. He was always touched by her gracious attitude, her loving attitude toward everybody. Um, but women, wives can carry some of the deepest emotional needs and they carry them deep. And most of the time they try not to put it off on anybody else. They just carry it. They just try to be strong, but sometimes they can subconsciously look to their husbands to meet those needs without even realizing it. And, rejection, insecurity, um, a lot of times resulting from early childhood traumas, brokenness in the family. Those are in such deep places that only the Holy Spirit can minister to that. True liberty and healing for these things can come from the Holy Spirit through a husband who is willing to be a yielded intercessor for his wife and willing to be available to be a vessel of the Holy Spirit 
who wants to pour out his healing, his oil of gladness and joy, his healing for the brokenhearted, his healing for the losses suffered and experienced early in life. The husband who truly gives himself to yielding to the Holy Spirit in the area of interceding in the Spirit for his wife will experience some of the most transforming miracles you can possibly imagine. Rupa told me herself after we got married, she said, I've never smiled this much in my entire life. And I looked at pictures of her and her family when she was young and a teenager and in her uh, very early 20s. And yeah, I mean, she in the pictures, you'd see her with her sisters and family and you would never have guessed she was part of the family because she her facial expression was one that said, I don't fit in here. I don't belong here because they made her to feel that way. Intercession carries your loved one and her needs right into the Holy of Holies before the mercy seat the throne of grace, and the impossible becomes possible. What was lost becomes found. What was broken is fully restored. What was dead is given new life. But first, dear husband, you must lay down your self-life on the altar of living sacrificially as an intercessor. It is an unvarying principle of Scripture that life only comes when the seed falls into the ground and dies. And that's in John twelve twenty four. And nowhere is the power of the Spirit manifested more than through self-sacrifice in the covenant of marriage. Now, um... We've been pretty heavy for a few minutes, so I want to spend some time now laying foundation on how husbands and wives can begin to flow with the Holy Spirit in ministering to each other. And trust me, I completely understand how the phrase I just used, ministering to each other, can cause an initial inward feeling of panic or unease because it represents an area of the unknown, um, something maybe you've never done before. But always remember, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove. That was Luke 3.22. And that was to reveal to us his nature. He comes as a gentle dove, not imposing his will upon us, but he comes gently as our helper, as our comforter, as our intercessor. And through his indwelling presence... As husband and wife, you are now free to actually experience the promise of Jesus when he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in your midst. The Holy Spirit is right there with you both and in you both, making himself totally and freely available to you as husband and wife, heirs together of the grace of life. 
and his resources are endless, which is why Jesus said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Just take some time to close your eyes and imagine all of the changes that his life-giving water can bring to your marriage and to each of you individually, and yes, even to the people that you minister to. Endless, endless resources, as Paul was talking about earlier in Philippians 119, the supply of the Spirit. The supply of the Spirit, the rivers of living water. It's abundant. Now, we have spent some time on the vital topics of intercession, praying in the Spirit, and now we are moving on to ministering in the gifts to each other. The exciting thing about that is that the husband and wife relationship in Christ Jesus provides the ideal environment for ministering in the gifts and learning how to become proficient and ministering through the Holy Spirit to each other. Think about it. You're not in front of other people, so there's no need to be self-conscious. This is your wife, your husband, your soulmate. If you both have the Holy Spirit, you can spend time praying separately at your leisure and according to your own comfort level. And when you have been edified and built up thoroughly in your own prayer time by praying in the Spirit, you can, at whatever point in time you both feel comfortable doing so, come together to pray in the Spirit over each other, uh, reading the Word of God together, edifying each other through ministering the Word of God to each other. Now, as you spend time, husband and wife, praying in the Spirit over each other, and doing the same in your own private prayer times, you will both begin to develop a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, to what He is saying, leading, directing, what kind of impressions He is giving you about whatever in your daily life, your relationships, etc. Always keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is there to guide, teach, and edify both of you, and his desire is to build your faith together. Again, the scripture from 1 Peter 3, 7, that says husbands and wives are heirs together of the grace of life. Uh, I would suggest, I would recommend, please, uh, both of you, husband and wife, spend time in 1 Peter 3, 7, that whole passage, um, and really just meditate, meditate, meditate on that passage. It is the Holy Spirit's express desire that you both receive from him as heirs together of the grace of life. And that word life is the Greek word zoe, which is the divine life of God, the zoe life of God. Um, and Peter also says elsewhere, we are made partakers of the divine nature through these promises. So the partakers of the partakers of the divine nature is again referring to the life of God. Knowing that you are, according to the Holy Spirit inspired word of God, called to both be equal heirs together as one of the grace of life, that should encourage your faith tremendously in the area of receiving from the Holy Spirit, being led by Him and taught by Him, because that is His desire to do this for you and provide this for you. Now, I know I might sound rather repetitious right now, but I'm trying to lay to rest once and for all any and all insecurities that 
husbands and wives might have when it comes to praying with their spouse and being open and even vulnerable to this process. I also want you to see the benefits which far outweigh any insecurities or discomfort or self-consciousness that you might feel. And the self-consciousness will dissipate as your faith grows and ministering to your husband or wife by the Spirit. Listen, the more you hear from the Holy Spirit and ministering to your spouse, the more you grow strong in your own spirit through praying in tongues and building your own personal receptivity to the Holy Spirit, the more confident you will be, the more faith you will have. And this would actually be an extremely profitable spiritual focus for any home group or church fellowship that is focusing on actively moving with the Holy Spirit and cooperating with Him. Because, hey, if every husband and wife in that home group or in that fellowship group is practicing this at home, then when all the believers come together for a group fellowship, there is a much greater likelihood of all the individual members being able to minister to each other since as husbands and wives, they've been practicing this at home. The spiritual potential that can be realized simply as husbands and wives grow in the spirit together and minister to each other and even to their children is limitless. Husbands can prophesy over their wives and spiritually edify their wives through words of knowledge, words of of wisdom, Wives can do the same to their husbands and over their children, building their children's spiritual self-esteem by prophesying over them, speaking blessings over them that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Again, we're talking about the rivers of living water that flow from your innermost being. These aren't trickles. These are living waters of rivers of the Holy Spirit supplying to everyone that is open and spiritually receptive. There is simply no limit to how much God can edify a family and minister to a family through its individual members. When this type of family gathers with the home fellowship group or church fellowship group that is doing the same things in their homes, just imagine the spiritual fruit that could be realized. And here's another bonus spiritual discipleship of other believers in these environments would be fantastic. So as husbands and wives are starting out in this, just meditate on and deeply ponder the amazing spiritual possibilities that can be realized through the Holy Spirit, through his gifts, through his anointing moving through each one of you. Now, To lay a little foundation on this, remember that the primary spiritual gift the Apostle Paul gave exhortation on was the gift of prophesying. He made the incredible statement in 1 Corinthians that you may all prophesy one by one that all may be edified and encouraged. I'll read that again. He said to this body of believers in Corinth, he said, you may all, all, that's a lot. I don't know how many that was, but it was all. You may all prophesy one by one that all may be edified and encouraged. 
So everyone could expect to prophesy because they would have the confidence knowing that the Holy Spirit's objective was to edify and encourage the others. Evidently, the gift of prophesying is the easiest spiritual gift to develop, according to Paul, and the most desirable spiritual gift for his his potential to edify and build up the body, which is why Paul said, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but most of all to prophesy. Now, elsewhere, Paul says to prophesy according to the measure of your faith, in which case, moving in the gift of prophesying builds your faith and at the same time builds your proficiency in operating in that much-needed spiritual gift. Um, Now, another spiritual gift was uh, interpretation. Um, And I had someone, uh, a really good brother on Facebook, write to me asking me um, about this very subject. It is something that he's really seeking the Holy Spirit on. So I'm going to share an example from um, my prayer journal in 2020. Um, It was when Rupa was still with us, and we had been going through a lot that year of upheaval and trying to get her medical help and so forth. And I'm about out of time, so I will read this really quickly. Um, And this is straight from my prayer journal in August 2020. I wrote, There have been so many times in the last few months, especially when Rupa was dealing with her health issues, I would be in our living room praying with some devotional music playing in the background, and I would just be quietly walking around the living room praying in tongues, worshiping the Lord, and there was there were many times when after praying in tongues for a little bit, a prayer in English would come out of my mouth, but it wasn't anything that came from my own mind or my own reasoning, and I would know immediately that what I was praying in English was the interpretation of what I'd been praying in tongues. And the interpretation of what I had been praying in tongues was so powerful and so real and specific to our situation that it could only have come from the Holy Spirit himself. One example that comes to my mind is when earlier this month, Rupa had fallen and broken her polio leg. She was in critical need of medical help but could not be hospitalized. There were so many heartbreaking issues confronting us. And as I walked in the living room praying in tongues, a few minutes later, I prayed something in English that was more like a worshipful declaration. The declaration that came to me was, You are enthroned over all that concerns us. The moment those words came out of my mouth, there was such a release from worry and fear that I began worshiping and praising God. Another interpretation that came to me on August 17th, which I wrote down, was, You are the God who rules and governs in our affairs. So, although a week apart, those two interpretations of what I was praying in tongues, declarations that were given to me by the Holy Spirit, both emphasized that the Lord was governing over everything that concerned us. His Lordship and His divine authority were overruling everything in our lives that could cause us stress, fear, and anxiety. Can anyone think of a better reason why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit 
operating in our lives on a daily basis to keep our faith built up, to keep our spirit strong, and to keep our hearts steadfast in the knowledge that the Lord is governing over our lives as we walk in His Spirit. So, with a couple of minutes left on this, I am going to um, say thank you to all of my listeners for uh, sticking with me for 29 episodes now. Uh, Husbands and wives, um, I'm on Facebook, Mark Judy on Facebook. Uh, We have the Vigilance for the End Times podcast group on Facebook as well. If you have any questions that you need my help with or my uh, input on, please feel free to message me on Facebook. You can go on the Anchor FM uh, podcast and you could message me or send me a voice message through that as well. I would really love to hear from you. Uh, I am always available to chat, talk, email, whatever uh, is most beneficial to you. So again, uh, happy Valentine's Day to all of you. God bless you, and um, we will talk to you soon. Take care.